Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you, church. Have you ever forgotten that you are a Christian? Last night, I was at a friend's house, and we were playing board games. And unexpectedly, I won. And I was like, yes! I so smashed all of you! And I forgot it was like a bunch of Christians. You know, that has nothing to do with my message, but I was like, it feels good to be a winner. I was at my mom and dad's house recently, and as I was leaving, I saw my parents' neighbor outside. So I said hi, and uh, they came over, and they have a little boy. He's in kindergarten. And he starts rubbing my opu. That's, That's your belly. So he starts rubbing it slowly, and so I look down at him, and he's looking up in awe. <laughs> and he says, it's so big, uncle. <laughs> you know, several weeks ago, my wife and I, I thought I would splurge. I take her to Zippy's restaurant. We walk in the door, and there's a family we know, and their young son runs up and does the exact same thing. He's like rubbing my old pool going. <coughs> Have you ever thought sometimes that God is trying to tell you something? You know, this morning we start a new series and it's titled Great Stories of the Old Testament. And so I want to look at Gideon. He was the fifth judge of Israel. And so at the time, the Israelites, they're in the promised land. But the Bible says that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They were worshiping false gods. So God, he gave them over to the hands of the Midianites for seven years. I mean, it was so bad. The Israelites, they're hiding in mountain clefts and caves. Whenever they would plant crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites, they would come and stomp on everything. They would kill their crops. Their sheep, their cattle, and their donkeys, they would take from the Israelites. The Midianites, there were so many of them. The Bible tells us that when they moved, it was as if a swarm of locusts was moving. There were so many of them, you couldn't count them. So that's where we begin our story. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Judges 6. And we'll start in verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, 
the ABS rite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I want to pause here and look at something. When God talks to us, he doesn't say to Gideon, you're going to be a mighty warrior. He says, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. But sometimes we say, but I'm just me. I'm like the weakest of the weak. And the Lord would tell him, go in the strength you have. He doesn't make Gideon a superhero. He says, whatever you have, that's what you take with you because I am with you. We'll continue on in verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. I think like the two kids rubbing my stomach, I'm like, okay, God, am I just the male version of the pregnant woman? <laughs> or are you telling me maybe I should lose weight? And so Gideon asked God, give me a sign. So Gideon, he prepares a goat and he breaks bread, but not just a little bread. He bakes 36 pounds of unleavened bread. He brings it out and he offers it as an offering. And the angel of the Lord tells him to put it on a rock. And the angel takes the staff that's in his hand, touches the goat and the bread, and fire comes out of the rock and consumes the offering. So Gideon has his sign. Now God tells him to go break down the altar of his father to Baal and also to cut down an Asherah pole. And that's just a wooden pole that they made to the goddess Asherah. So Gideon, he's like afraid of not only his family but of the townspeople because they're all worshiping these false gods. So he takes 10 of his buddies. And instead of going during the daytime, he goes at nighttime. 
And so he breaks down the altar, he cuts down the Asherah pole, and the Lord says, make a sacrifice to me there. Build an altar to the one true God. So Gideon does. So we pick up the story in verse 33. And it says, now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is only dew on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what's happened. That's what God did. So Gideon, he rose up early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew and a bowl full of water came out of this sheepskin. But Gideon, he's not convinced. So Gideon says, Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Several weeks ago, a bunch of us from church, we went to the hymn conference, Hawaiian Island Ministry. It was over at the convention center. So my wife and I, we stayed across the street at the Alamana Hotel because they had like a conference rate. And uh, I remember waking up, you know, the following morning, and uh, we're drinking coffee. I take my Keurig, so I don't have to go to Starbucks and buy it. So I, I love this huge thing. She was like tripping, but it didn't bother me. So we're drinking coffee, and I noticed on the bed where I was sleeping, there was three quarters. So I tell her, honey, look. Jesus gave me money. And then she gave me a look. You know that look, man. You know the, that look. And she goes, no, you farted. And I was like, oh, I would be rich. But I got to hang out with the Iraqi boys. They're actually men, but... To me, they're so young. And I had so much fun. Denny, if you saw what I saw, you would be so proud of your sons. We went early to check in. So I check in, like three minutes, bam, I get my room. They're over there talking to this cute front desk lady. And I was like, what are they doing, making time? (laughs) 
they're over there like half an hour. And I'm just like, what's, what's up? What's going on? You know, and she keeps going in the back, coming back. Another person comes. And so Derek says, oh, they double booked our room. So I said, well, you should tell them you should get a discount because there's two extra people staying with you. But because of their patience, they get upgraded to the expensive tower, the Waikiki Tower. And they get like a super high floor with a balcony. It was like awesome. Derek's like, you want to come up and see it? I was like, wow, this is nice. Yeah, just great job, Denny. So we go over there, and we go early, and we want to walk around Ala Moana. So we're walking around, and Jordan, he says, Uncle Matt, how do you know if it's God talking to you? So I share, I was like, you know, Jordan, to me, I think God, he like speaks through the Bible, his word, that's his truth. If, if you read that, you can kind of get a feel for his heart, of what he approves of and what he doesn't approve of. And I said, also through prayer, because God will talk to us. And I said, you know, once in a while, I'll be listening to the Christian talk radio, and I'll hear a sermon, and later on this afternoon, there's a different pastor speaking, and he'll talk about the exact same verse. And then I'll come to church on Sunday, and my pastor is talking about the exact same verse. And I said, when I see that, I'm like, okay, God, you're telling me something. What is it you're trying to show me? So I share. I said, you know, we went to go visit my brother-in-law in in, uh, Arizona. We went to a, a Christian conference, and... On the flight back, I see a firefighter who is also a part-time flight attendant. So I go up to him. I know he's a Christian. I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, Jesus, he's crazy, man. He does all kind of cool things. And, and so we're talking. And so one of the other flight attendants, she looks at me and she says, oh, you believe in that supernatural stuff? And I was like, I just saw it. It's like unbelievable. So I go back to my seat and I sit down. And it's almost as if I heard a voice, like God told me, go tell her 1 Samuel 16, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So I hear that, like I'm looking around. I was like, did somebody just say that to me? So like Gideon, I say, okay, God, if that is like for real you, you like confirm it and I'll go do it. So I'm reading a book that I had bought at the conference. I'm on the left side of the page. As I move to the right side, that verse is right there. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So I was like, okay, I know that's you, God. But me, being me, I was like, okay, I got to figure out why God wants to tell her that. So I'm like going through all kinds of scenarios and, oh, do you want me to really say this? Or, you know, do you want me to write it down? So I end up not telling her. 
it's time to leave the plane, so it's like, oh, I'm panicked. It's like, okay, I'm just going, God. And it's like, oh, are you ever going to talk to me again? So we go to the conference, and the speaker that night, he talks on 1 Samuel 16. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. There are close to 32,000 verses in the Bible. So I tell Derek and Jordan, okay, what is the chances that we just talked about this like two hours ago, and that's what the speaker in the main conference is talking about. They had a, a young lady. She must be 25. She was sponsored by Compassion International. As a 12-year-old, she was raped and sexually molested. Compassion International came in. They paid for her to have food, to get an education. They taught her about God. So once you turn 18, you don't get any more support. But she gets continued support for college. So she goes on to college, and she graduates with her Bachelor of Science degree in psychology. So she's sharing her testimony at the conference. She says, I actually feel like God wants me to get to become a lawyer so that I can represent people who are sexually abused, who are raped, who cannot help themselves. I can be a voice for them. It was like super inspiring. The next morning, we go to the conference early, and it's like different conferences. Like people go early, and they line up. Like it's a good movie. Like so half an hour early, we're like lining up. Like Pastor Thomas is like, let's go early, man. And they open the doors, and he runs. <laughs> He's like passing old folks, sprinting. And we get the first available row behind the reserve seats. I was like, that's so, I was like, how come church is not like this? They're like lining up, waiting for Pastor Thomas to open. But I'm talking to Derek in the morning, and he's like, oh, you know, Matt, uh, I felt like God was telling me stuff about that young girl. Uh, her name is Michael Rose, about her. And I couldn't sleep. So what I did was I wrote a poem for her. You want to read it? I was like, of course. It was like the nicest poem. And Derek shared, maybe in the next two days, I'll run into her. And I can share it with her. And I was like, oh, that would be so cool. So the session after lunch, we're in the hall. 4,000 people. We're sitting kind of in the back. The talk is over. And Derek is like flagging me down because I'm like 12 seats away from him. And I'm like, what? What are you saying? And he's like, I was like, oh, there's a speaker on the chair? So I'm like, I'm like, text me. So he texts me. Michael Rose 
is sitting right in front of me, an auditorium with 4,000 people. And so I tell him, you better go tell her. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. I was like, tell her, tell her. That's like so God. He's like, I don't know. So me, being the bully I am, and my wife said, I'm coming just like my mom, and I am, but it doesn't bother me. I go right up to her, and I was like, excuse me. My friends felt like God kept him up, and he wrote a poem for for you. Would it be okay if he read it? She goes, of course. She was so blessed by his poem that Derek feels like God is giving him a download. He writes it down. Maybe if I see her, and God puts her right in front of him, 4,000 people. God is talking to us because he wants to move us from where we are to where we need to be. About a year after I retired, I get a, I get a phone call, and I love this thing. I cannot see it anymore, but, you know, if they're in your contacts, you know if you want to talk to them or not. But there's an unknown number. So I answer, and this person knows me. He knows my name. He knows I like to build things. He knows I like to garden. So I'm talking with him for half an hour. And I say, if you need help, let me know and I'll come over and help you. Except I don't know who I'm going to (laughs) help. So after half an hour, I tell him, oh, who is this? And he starts cracking up. He goes, you talked to me for over half an hour, and you don't know who you're talking to. And it's like, oh, we've got old timers, you know. It was someone I worked with at the fire department for the last two years of my career. We're good friends, but we're not that close. God wants to have a close, deep relationship to us. And I think this is what that relationship would look like. Hey, you didn't know, yeah, you could talk on the phone. Hello. Hello. Hey, hi, honey. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I just wanted to say that I love you. I love you, too. And it was cool to dominate last night at game night. Yeah. Co-winners. Co-winners. Okay. Okay, love you. Love you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. He wants us to know that when he's talking to us, that it's him. You know, you may be at a place where you're at, okay, God, if you just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. You have to work on your relationship with him. Jordan, he met his biological mom several weeks ago. He hasn't seen her in 10 years. And as he was conversing with her through an interpreter, because she only speaks Japanese, 
He was so heartbroken. Mom, for 10 years, why didn't you call me? And she replied, well, because your dad said you were good. You know, so I just believed him. He goes, Mom, for 10 years, you never tried to get in touch with me. Excuse after excuse. I could see the pain in my young brother. Imagine someone who claims to love you, like totally ignoring you. And I wonder if that's how God feels when we don't talk to him and he's trying to have a conversation with us. Wow, I cannot believe you didn't try to contact me all these years. I think as in the story of Gideon, A lot of times we feel we're not good enough. God would say, you are made in my image. And yet, we look in the mirror. Oh, I wish my nose was skinnier. I wish I had more hair. I wish I had big muscles. I wish I didn't have such a big opal. Jesus would tell us, you have the mind of Christ. And yet, we would think to ourselves, oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? I'm like a dummy. I'll never get anywhere. And God would say, I so loved you that I sent my only son to die for you. And yet we feel so alone. No one loves me. I'm so unlovable. Poor me. You know, I thought of uh, Julia early this morning as, as I was praying up for today. And I'm not surprised that she did the prayer of the people. When I think of someone who hears from God and does what he says, I think of Julia. I am inspired by her. You may think that you have some problems. Julia has had stage four metastatic breast cancer for over three years. She has had over 38 chemo treatments. And God would say to her, my grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness, my power is perfected. And she is so brave to share that Tomorrow is not promised. I'm going to live today like it's my last day. 
and I think, wow, God, if I ever came to that fork in the road, would I be as courageous as Julia? God is talking to us. What if we all listened and did what he said? And it takes a step of faith. Jesus said, not if you'll see, and that's what we all want to do. Show me the money, and I'll do it. Jesus says, if you believe, then you will see. You have to take a step of faith, because God says, I am with you. And what are we going to see? We're going to see the glory of God. Would you imagine with me what it would be like if we all did what God was telling us? I think we would be known as a church, like I read in Acts chapter 2. Would you read this with me? Ready? Begin. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want us to be known as a group of believers, not who has a great pastor, Pastor Thomas or Pastor Danny. I want to be known as a church who has supernatural love that once you walk into the door, you will feel it. It will knock you down. Would you pray with me?